0: If you like Music's Greatest Mysteries, you've gotta check out Dan Rather's The Big Interview for some incredible true stories from the biggest names in music. Check out the podcast
1: sometime.
2: On this episode of Music's Greatest Mysteries, does a Gen X band's music video help save missing kids?
0: I was in service to something that could make a difference and I
1: embraced it.
2: We journeyed to Canada in the 60s, when Rick James launches Neil Young's career.
1: All this is going on while Rick James is literally a fugitive from the United States government. Like, how crazy is that? And finally,
2: does a rock star have a paranormal experience at an Austin landmark?
3: This hotel is home to so many ghost stories. And somebody who might be able to attest to that is Annie Lennox.
2: It's 1993, and a startling statistic appears on MTV. It's the opening text to Soul Asylum's smash hit, Runaway Train, and it's a call to action. They show these
4: images of kids who've been lost. They tailored it, like, with a genuine effort to find these kids, and it's
2: amazing.
0: If you've seen one of these kids, or you are one of
2: them, please call this number. Soul Asylum is using their video to help fight the growing teen homeless crisis. But do their efforts actually make a difference? There's some great stories. There's also some heartbreaking moments. It's the early 90s, and an impassioned and idealistic movement is trying to change the world.
3: In the 90s, I I think we felt like we could actually contribute, and we could do it with music. But it's your choice, it's
4: your voice. Don't waste it. Rock the boat.
1: Soul Asylum represents the whole Gen X ethos of believing that you can actually make a difference.
3: Soul Asylum were guys who were making music in their basement really the epitome of Minneapolis rockers.
5: They were a band known as one of the greatest live bands on the road, but had never translated into album sales and had never had a big hit on radio. By 1992,
2: Soul Asylum has yet to break into the mainstream. To make matters worse, life on the road has taken a toll on lead singer and songwriter Dave Perner
0: after all this constant touring i thought i was losing my hearing i kind of had a mental breakdown I really thought it was all over
5: for me he was forced to take a step back just sit there with the guitar and his voice for the first time he had started writing on acoustic guitar
0: i think that informed runaway
2: train Turner's moody acoustic not only signals a change in style for the band, but also in their perception. All of a sudden, Soul Asylum becomes a 90s IT band.
0: When people heard the cassette of the demo tape, that was like I was looking for a manager, and the guy heard that song. And halfway into it, he just said, turn it off, I want to manage your band. And that was when I started realizing that there's something to that song.
5: When people started hearing it at the label, it was pretty clear that Runaway Train was the standout track. Runaway
2: Train hits number five on the charts. And like all 90s rock bands, Soul Asylum needs a music video.
0: I probably looked through 20 directors reels, and I saw Tony Kaye's. Tony is said, milk cartons. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, milk cartons. You know how they have missing children on milk cartons? We should put them in the video and try to find them. And I just thought, man, that is great. Here's a guy with a great idea. Let's run with it. It's
3: just easier than dealing with the
2: pain. Tony K and Soul Asylum create a music video that features the images of missing children and a plea for their return
1: like i should
2: be the song and the video hit a chord with audiences across the world
3: the music video for runaway train airs on mtv nonstop. when you are someone who grew up in the 80s and the early 90s there was no escaping the missing child on a milk carton every one of us knows exactly what that was born from
2: They have, uh, you know, they made that wonderful song about runaway children, which which had a big impact on young people throughout the country.
0: All of a sudden, we were everywhere and people were listening. People saw the authenticity at Runaway Train.
2: Coming up, runaways see themselves in the video, but does it actually bring them home? And does it actually save their
5: lives? Did
2: this girl get sent back somewhere bad because of this? And later, Rick James' life on the run in Canada with his bandmate, Neil Young. Meanwhile, he's doing all this while he's a deserter from the U.S. military. In 1993, Soul Asylum released the music video of Runaway Train, featuring the faces of missing children. The video becomes a cultural phenomenon, earning the band a Grammy Award for best rock song, catapulting them into Gen X royalty.
3: Chelsea Clinton was a big fan. they played Bill Clinton's inauguration. We're all here to usher in a new time for peace and understanding, all right? Soul Asylum became like the White House band for a while.
2: And by 1994, the first kids start coming home.
0: The first time it happened, a daughter and her mother came backstage and said, we want to thank you. We're reunited. And it was very emotional. And the kid ran away. And she was in a hotel room. And she saw the video and called her mom. It's like, wow, it works.
5: They were really blown away by it the first few times. Like, they couldn't believe it had actually worked. Like, I'm meeting this kid who got home because of the video. While lives
2: are saved, not all stories have happy endings.
3: There's a well-known story with Dan Murphy and having somebody, a young woman, come up to him and saying, you know, thanks for ruining my life because she was forced to go home to something that was not a great living situation.
5: And it kind of freaked him out. Like, did, did we accidentally get this girl back to a bad home situation? Isn't it still better than being like 16 and on the streets by yourself? At least to be with, in a home with parents. Regardless
2: of outcome, the intent is based on righting a wrong. And for that, Soul Asylum is a huge success. Not only is it the band's biggest hit ever, it solidifies their legacy as a band who creates change. To date, 21 kids have been found or reunited thanks to Runaway Train. You just saw this
4: whole cultural change. It was it was Gen X, and we were going to change the future. and. Bands like Soul Asylum were a part
0: of that change. It's a very emotional tune. And I felt like I was in service to something that could make a difference. I embraced it.
1: My teacher either said I was going to be a hoodlum or a great entertainer.
5: You really do it to the ladies out there. That's why I wonder why I'm here and they're out there. Uh
1: wild,
2: outlandish, unpredictable. That's Rick James.
1: Most would refer to him as a bad boy. And we all like bad boys.
0: I love sex, yes, abundantly. To love women, yes, totally. Rick James is an outlaw and funky as hell. He was literally trying to avoid the authorities. Kind of out of control character who did whatever he wanted, got whatever he wanted. Can I fight!
2: His tales of decadence have been immortalized not only by Rick himself, but even more famously by Dave Chappelle. I'm Rick James. And a signature hit seems to define who we think Rick James is.
1: We hear about the antics and and the wild things that he's done, but there's much more to Rick James than just super free. And and I hope folks recognize that.
4: Rick James from songs like Super Freak and of course the Chappelle show but in order to really understand the essence of Rick James you have to go all the way back to 1964 when he gets out of high school he had to figure out what he was gonna do with his life and the sensible thing at that time was to go into the army
2: very patriotic guy but when Vietnam escalates James Ambrose Johnson jr. as he's known at the time has a change of heart and a change of name. In 1964, Rick James goes AWOL and heads north from Buffalo to Canada.
1: You think about the fact that he signed up. That was voluntary. And then made his decision to say to the military that this was not for him, and this is not the voice that he wanted to share from his person, and to then act on it as a black man in the 60s. That's a strong man to do that. That's a strong person.
4: All of a sudden, he winds up 100 miles up into Canada, to Yorkville, which became really Greenwich Village North.
1: There was a burgeoning music scene there, and it was very electric, very alive, and very filled with creativity. Rick was into some of that doo-wop, Motown stuff back in, in his early age, but when he got to Canada, he got introduced to the psychedelic sound and the psychedelic scene, the counterculture. Rick became enamored with that lifestyle. According to legend, James is discovered
2: by future members of the band, Lee Von Helm and Garth Hudson, who introduce James to their friends who have an R&B band. Almost immediately, little Ricky, as he's known at the time, has found his place on stage with the Mina Birds.
4: The Mina Birds are really, really the kind of act Rick James couldn't have dreamed to have been dropped into. The sound that they make is really, really a mix of kind of what's going on with Motown on the R&B side, but it also has a very, very heavy rock influence. This was one of the very
5: first white acts with a black singer. People called him the Black Mick Jagger. They are making sort of folk rock mixed with R&B
0: influences. They're like the Stones, kind of.
3: And who does he recruit to be the guitarist in his band? Of course, Neil Young.
1: Some people say it's hard to imagine Neil Young and Rick James together, but really when you think about it, it's not. Neil was into very melodic chords, real pretty kind of chords. I would write the kind of RB lyrics over these chords. So it really, it was a very interesting combination. I'm
3: gonna wait for-
4: The roots of that sound. You also hear it in a lot of the rhythmic elements that Rick James brought to the fore in that group's sound. So, of course, they start shopping for a record deal.
1: They end up in the deal with Motown Records, the legendary Motown Records, which at the time was still one of the biggest record labels on the planet. This is a dream come true. I mean, this is what he wants to be doing instead of off in Vietnam fighting. All this is going on while Rick James is literally a fugitive from the United States government. Like, how crazy is that?
2: Next, Life on the
1: Run finally catches up with Rick James. There was a dispute over money with one of their managers, and he decided to snitch on him and then ratted him out to the government. And later,
2: a trip to Texas and a hotel that's been spooking musicians for decades.
3: Annie Lennox is not known for believing in the paranormal, but she has an experience, and it was a ghost. It's
2: 1966, and Rick James Minor Birds has just signed a record deal with Motown. The band, featuring Neil Young on guitar and future Steppenwolf member Goldie McJohn on bass, is becoming a hit in Canada and is on the verge of making it globally. But there's one major issue. Their front man is a literal outlaw. He's doing all this while he's a deserter from the US military. So right
4: as Rick James is finally getting ready to fulfill his dream and become famous, Uncle Sam catches up
1: with him. There was a dispute over money with one of their managers, and he decided to snitch on him and then ratted him out to the government. He winds up
4: being taken back to the US. He's imprisoned at the Brooklyn Navy Yard.
2: Rick James is busted and his career is over, or so it seems.
1: As Rick is sitting in the Navy brig yard, he manages to escape. (laughs) Like, how crazy is that? Allegedly, when they catch up with him a few weeks
2: later, he's actually on stage jamming with a band. He couldn't stay away. Rick James turns himself into authorities in 1966. Due to his age, he's only 17 at the time, he's given a light sentence of six months jail time for both offenses, desertion and escaping from prison. In 1968, he moves to LA and signs a new record deal with Motown. He has his first hit in 1974 he becomes rick james
4: he finally gets to fulfill his destiny he becomes iconic he becomes legendary he influences everyone from michael jackson to prince to bobby brown to bruno mars generations of r b hip-hop and rock stars to
2: follow but what about his first band the minor birds and his relationship with neil young in 2006 two years after james death Motown releases recordings from 1966 to rave reviews. But it's a footnote in his career. Rick James is immortalized not just because of massive hits and crazy antics, no, it's because of his wilder and wider global influence on music. Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, and home to one of the most haunted hotels in America.
3: So many people for over such a long period of time have reported things that can't be easily explained. And
2: one particular spirit seems to be a fan of the Eurythmics. In 1986, before the clubs and music venues, Austin is a one-horse town. But a man with a vision decides to transform Austin into the premier destination in Texas. His plan? A lavish hotel in the heart of the city.
3: The Driscoll Hotel was the beautiful idea of Jesse Driscoll. There's a mystique and a magic to the Driscoll. When you go in there, it's like more than a fairy tale. It's more than a castle. It has a sense that anything could happen in that place.
2: And for the past 150 years, legends abound that things do happen in this historic landmark. Several ghosts, including Colonel Driscoll himself, have been known to frequent the hotel.
3: This hotel is home to so many ghost stories, and somebody who might be able to attest to that is Annie Lennox. Sweet dreams are made of this. Who am I to disagree? Annie Lennox is not known for believing in the paranormal, but she has an experience, and it was a ghost.
2: Coming up, does Annie Lennox encounter the ghost of a Texas ladies' man? The Driscoll Hotel, named for Colonel Jesse Driscoll, has played a vital role in Austin's growth as the live music capital of the world.
0: In 1931, Louis Armstrong had a residency there. Stevie Ray Vaughan played his first album on a jam box at the Driscoll. Also, Jewel recorded her video in 2008.
2: It's also considered one of the most haunted hotels in the country, with several ghosts still living in the hotel. And in the 1980s, one of them allegedly pays a visit to Annie Lennox of the Eurythmics.
3: She had two dresses that she had laid out one night, couldn't pick between them. She had gone and taken a shower and gotten ready. When she came back in the room, one of the dresses had been hung up. Someone like Annie Lennox had great security, and there weren't people just coming in and out of her room. A ghost decided to pick out the outfit. She certainly believed it, and she wore the outfit that the ghost had picked out for her.
2: So are these legends true? Are ghosts actually visiting musicians at this Texas treasure?
0: Jeanette Napolitano of the Concrete Blondes Band had her own ghostly experience and decided to write a song called The Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man. I saw a face
1: in the shower door. A cowboy smile came and
3: faded.
0: That song immortalized her visitation by a ghost.
3: He was the ghost of a Texas ladies man. Austin has a motto, keep Austin weird. And so this lore about the Driscoll Hotel adds to the fabric of the city.
2: A 90s band pleads to find the missing. A star goes from AWOL to super freak. And are spirits alive and well in the live music capital of the world? All testify to the power of music. All are Music's Greatest Mysteries.
0: Thank you for joining us for Music's Greatest Mysteries, where we investigate the legendary mysteries surrounding the biggest names in music. Now remember, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go ahead and leave us a review, and don't keep the show a secret, tell a friend.